Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I love or hate counterfactual uh, discussions. I mean, they're kind of fun sometimes, but they're mostly stupid. What's that mean? Counterfactual. Well, if this didn't happen, what would have happened? You don't know. But people like to engage in that. Um, a perfect example would be, and I heard this discussed the other day, what if Trump had won? Because he almost did, you realize. What if Trump had won? Would everything have been completely switched around 180 degrees on vaccines? Because you'll remember, Kamala Harris, the sitting vice president herself, said, I'm not getting that vaccine with Trump and rushing it through and everything. Would everything be completely spun around on vaccines? Would it be, and and it fits more neatly with the lefty crowd. You already had the, within the, whatever they say, within a 100-mile radius of uh, Whole Foods is where you're going to find the most (laughs) anti-vaxxers. Right. Yeah, uh, you already had that head start for the left. So I just think if Trump had won, you'd have lots of Democrats still citing all kinds of anecdotal evidence as to why the vaccine is not safe and why you shouldn't take it. And uh, people on the right would be maybe running out to get it because uh, Trump was pushing it. I don't know, but I could certainly wow, if, if Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or somebody could give me a ride to a parallel universe where I could take a look at that, I would love to, because that's a great question. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another one. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Masks turn Democrats into uh, favoring school choice. This back-to-school season is filled with uncertainty. Public school districts are dealing with delays, disruptions, disagreements, and demands from teachers' unions. At the heart of many disputes, of course, is whether schools should require all students to wear masks. Some states are in legal battles. We've been talking about that. Texas, Florida, etc. A recent Axios-Ipsos poll found that 69% of adults support mandatory masking in schools. Almost 70% of adults nationwide support mandatory masking in schools. If you're wondering where you are on this topic, it's pretty polarized, though. Ninety two percent of Democrats and only 44 percent of Republicans. So almost every Democrat, 44 percent of Republicans. The good news is that we might find some unity amid such division. A nationwide poll by another group found that 79 percent of respondents with an opinion support allowing families to take their children's taxpayer-provided education money to a private or home school if their public school doesn't mandate masks. Oh, my Lord. 80%. I know. Isn't that amazing? Surprisingly, Democrats favored this school choice proposal more than Republicans. So this this is a counterfactual being played out. Republicans, who are usually in favor of school choice, liked it less than Democrats, who are almost always against school choice. So I'm sorry, was the story phrased to to be about masking? Specifically? You mean the, the poll question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Because I, I find it extraordinary that all of a sudden uh, Republicans would not be in favor of school choice. Uh, oh, yeah, well, it was around. Story. It was, yeah, the question was... Um, would you do you think that your family should be able to take your children's taxpayer provided education money to a private or home school if your local school doesn't mandate masks? Okay. Okay. So and just eighty two percent of Democrats said yes. So just so this is infinitely clear to everybody, when the question about school choice is asked, and it is uh, because many times poor neighborhoods, 
black kids, brown kids are getting a crappy education and they're trapped in a school where the teachers union won't allow progress and the rest of it. And you say to the Democratic Party, shouldn't those parents be able to take their kids somewhere else where they can get a quality education? The Democratic Party tells you go to hell. But if you make it about masking, all of a sudden it's, oh, that's our sacred right. Yes, we should be able to move our children. If affluent Buffy and and, and Jimmy, uh, Buffy and Chad, aren't, uh, you know, their school, mean Ron DeSantis has said, that, no, you're not putting on a mask. Then it's desperate time for their, uh, their advanced degreed parents to get them out of that school. But if it's poor kids getting an SE education, they don't give a crap. Unreal. Well, and as we've talked about for months, a lot of the whole masking thing, maybe less so during the Delta, but certainly before that, a lot of the masking thing is just a virtue signal. It's just a, I'm wearing a mask to show that I'm anti-Trump and on the side of this crowd. Uh, I'm not wearing a mask to a certain extent to support this other side. Um, there is a lot of that around masks. So this isn't even really about masks. It's <laughs> it's It's just, well, I heard the evil Republican in Florida is not letting schools have masks, so I'm all for being able to go to a school of my choice because it's Republicans that push this sort of thing. We're so crazy around this tribalism, around these issues. Um, and there, there's well, been polling done over the years. A bunch of experiments have been done where if you flip the script on people who don't know any better, if you claim Republicans support this or Democrats support this, even though if you're politically aware, you realize that those don't fit nicely. Um, people will change their opinions to a great extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I know. was just going to say, I think what this illustrates maybe better than anything is how shallowly reasoned a lot of people's yeah. uh, political opinions are. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. Maybe that's good news. Maybe the Democrats will stick with uh, school choice being a good idea beyond just masking, but. Well, right. I I think an adept politician, and there are few of them on the Republican side these days, not none, but not enough, uh, maybe down the road they can say, hey, now, you remember you were shouting about school choice for masking. Well, we want it for parents uh, of poor kids in particular are getting a crappy education. Their kids are getting a crappy education. So you're in favor of school choice, right? Because we were just talking about that. Maybe there can be some inroads made. Because, you know, for me, it's not a, some sort of petty little victory. It's a question of getting kids a good education and breaking up the monopoly of the teachers' union, keeping in mind that some of the great philosophers have said of all monopolies, one of education is the most evil. Mm. So, yeah, I would just I would love to see that shaken up. I would love to see little kids, particularly poor little kids, get a better shot at a, at a good life, a good American life. How about the fact that 70% of Americans think schools should be able to mandate masks? Almost I, all Democrats and 44% of Republicans. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by that because the conventional wisdom has been that masking really helps. Uh I don't buy that it helps a lot hmm, in I'm the just, real world. That's interesting. I'm not even thinking about the efficacy of masks. I'm just thinking about uh freedom aspect of it i like the idea of a local school getting to choose based on what the local community wants as opposed to a governor or a president deciding it. right right the people who disagree with you would say well that denies the choice of parents 
you're giving too much power yeah. to the school board. But, you know, I get I don't, we can go around in this circle over and over again. And then we get into how well masks work or don't work. And then we get into, uh, you know, the vaccines and, and, and uh, herd immunity and the rest of it. And frankly, I can't talk about it for another second. No, no, I can't either. I can't either. I uh, just thought it was a uh, interesting development. Oh, that, oh that's that so cool. many Democrats now. Crazy, that's great. I know. I know. I know. It's amazing. So we got a couple of things for you that, if you haven't heard yet, are so good. One of them very serious. One of them very funny. One of them is a teacher caught on a hidden microphone explaining how he's absolutely trying to indoctrinate children into Marxism. And he is in Natomas, California, folks, right outside of Sacramento, where the Armstrong and Getty Show began 23 years ago yesterday, which we hardly mentioned because, eh. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're not big on ceremonies around here. (laughs) Well, we had a big party for our 20th. Maybe we will for our 25th. But 23 is not something you... I mean, you might go out to eat on your 23rd, whatever, but... Fine, I'll throw away this cake then. We're fat enough already, as previously discussed. And then later, we got to get to the the uh, how to speak Joe Biden, um, which is really really funny if you haven't heard it. All that stuff's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Axios reports that uh, Biden administration officials are currently briefing senior Democratic Senate aides about why Congress needs to raise or suspend the federal debt limit. So look forward to that fun, fun conversation coming up soon because we're about to run up against the debt limit again. Blah, blah, arbitrarily blah, shut down, blah, 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 debt, blah, 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 shut down. Okay. Self-imposed limit that we raise every time we reach it. If you could do that with your own credit card debt, imagine <laughs> How far out of control you'd get. Anywho, um, Joe Biden says funny words sometimes, and uh, this guy picked up on it. He, um, I came across this on the Twitter yesterday. His name's Joel Fisher. How to speak Bidenese, and he goes through a number of them. It's pretty self-explanatory. Here we go. Today, I am going to teach you how to speak Bidenese. I'm going to teach you a few words, and then we'll get the proper pronunciation and context from the master himself. President Joe Biden. The first word I'm going to teach you today is next no srent. Next no srent. President Biden will now demonstrate this word for us. Donald Trump does pose an next no strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. It's not <laughs> hypothetical. Next no strength. <laughs> I, like, I like his follow up. It's not hypothetical. <laughs> uh, another one. Okay, the next word we've got is. Badikefkir, Badikefkir, say it, try it, Badikefkir, President Biden. Rock and I think it's a right for people to have Badikefkir. (laughs) (laughs) I can't really deny that. That's true. Uh, Again. Next, my bus been wet. Now, a common error on this one is people put the stress on the wrong syllable. It's not... My bus been wet. It's not my bus been wet. It's my bus been wet. Say it. My bus been wet. My bus been wet. <laughs> He's walking across the lawn and yells that to the reporters. I have no idea what my he was talking about. My bus been wet. <laughs> my bus been wet. 
And now this one is fantastic. Next, we have a word that's that's much simpler. Palmist. Palmist. Can you say palmist? President Biden, palmist. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim the palmist with the palmist who wrote these following words. Man, his, his, his brain just doesn't work the way it's supposed to anymore. Uh-uh. It used to. Yeah. He was as glib as glib gets. but And then finally, this is a long one. This is a tough one. All right. Now that you've got four words in the bag, we're going to move on to a really complex Bidenese word. Do you think you're ready for it? You're going to really have to pay attention here. Uh, this is sort of advanced level Bidenese. Very long word. Okay. This is what it is. It's a very long word. Are you ready? True ender dash dubba depressure. True ender dash dubba depressor. One word. One word. True ender dash dubba depressor. Say it a little more quickly. True ender dash dubba depressor. True ender dash dubba depressor. President Biden, go. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true ender dash dubba depressor. True ender dash dubba depressor. <laughs> Oh, what was that again, Michael? What's he, what did he just say there? True international over depression. <laughs> See, the other ones, I think I can figure out what he was attempting to say. I don't know this one. I have no idea what he was attempting to say there. Something about uh, international pressure, I think. Oh, you think? Let me yeah, hear that play again. Play it one more time. True international over depression. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's funny. We have the whole thing posted if you want to play it for your friends at armstrongandgetty.com. Hey, it would appear that we're getting back to reality in politics and stuff. They're talking about uh, various um, various issues, including something we talked about a week or so ago before the Afghan thing went crazy. And that's the massive food stamp expansion. It's going to be, you know, another $20 billion a year, although nobody pays attention to numbers anymore. They just don't matter. Uh, But the White House is attempting to get everybody on government aid, a giant expansion of who's on food stamps and how much you get and the rest of it. Republican lawmakers lambasted the Biden administration today over its giant food stamp expansion, accusing the White House of abusing its authority by unilaterally approving the largest permanent increase to benefits in the program's history. Again, a move that could cost uh, $20 billion, etc. That is something. <clears throat> Under the new rules, average benefits will rise more than 25% from pre-pandemic levels. The changes, which will be available to all 42 million SNAP beneficiaries, are intended to be permanent. The increase coincides with the end of a 15% boost to SNAP benefits installed by Congress last year as the as a pandemic relief measure. Less hunger than we've ever had, less hunger than any society's probably ever produced in the history of the world. And we're increasing the amount of food that we redistribute, or money we redistribute around food. And also the number that came out a, a while back that... Uh, the lowest percentage of people paid federal taxes ever. Something like 62%, I think that was the number, of people did not pay federal taxes yeah. uh, last year. So listen to this. The new maximum SNAP benefit for a family of four will be $835 per month, which comes out to be over $10,000 a year. Now, $835 per month the average four-person household in the U.S. spent 
$537 per month. $300 less. Whoa! Now that's amazing! So they want... it's It's not food aid. It's not preventing starvation. It's a massive redistribution of income. Yeah, it's wealth redistribution. Because if it's just food, how could you make the argument that people on food stamps need to eat better than the average person? Well, and it's not like uh, the it's the lowest quintile or something that's been spending $537, $300 less. It, that's the average. It's incredible. I mean, so you, you're a family of four. Mom, dad, a couple of youngsters, I'm guessing. And you can make four $210 trips to the grocery store in a single month. Now, I, I don't do the grocery shopping. I haven't for a while, but I used to with Judy. And 210 bucks is a significant amount of money, especially sure. if you are being yeah. thrifty. Now, yeah, I know if you're buying all the big name brands and snacks and pops and the well, stuff I, like I that, know. you can drop a Every week? lot of money. Every week? Wow. Well, you're eating like a damn king. Yeah, I would feel like my groceries are covered at that yeah. rate. And I'm going to eat pretty much what I want. Ah, but it's all, right. all about poor people, the poor, beleaguered people, and the food insecurity. They're starving, starving on the streets. Look at Who all the corpses. Look at them. Who the wants to eat? Go and there's not a lot of... Hooray! Hooray. There's not a lot of discussion there's... being happened about this. These things are going to pass and happen and become permanent, and they'll just be part of our national structure, and we'll just get, you know, more and more like France, poor and poor. Armstrong and Getty. So you're about to hear from this left-wing Antifa teacher. And you should keep in mind while you're listening to this stuff, in roughly the same area of the country, uh, Northern California, there was a teacher who got suspended. Do we know how that story turned out? The teacher that got suspended for the Nazi flag in the classroom. And remember, that teacher was teaching symbolism throughout history and used a Nazi flag Maybe because it's perhaps the most powerful symbol in the history of using propaganda. But anyway, got uh, suspended for having a, 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 you know, being too too much of a right winger in a classroom. Some, well, even though somebody walked by and said it was a little disturbing, and so we got suspended and in trouble just because somebody, some snowflakes' feathers got ruffled. Even though it could be completely explained away, and oh, okay, that makes perfectly good academic sense. Keep that in mind as you as you hear this guy. So this comes from Natomas, California, which is right outside of Sacramento. It's practically part of Sacramento. And uh, we've been telling you for months and months, years and years, really, that the uh, the state of America's schools in terms of left-wing indoctrination is getting worse and worse. And we've been concentrating of late on the BLM stuff and the so-called anti-racism stuff, which is some of the most racist swill that's come along in generations. Uh, this happens to be an out-and-out Antifa member, Marxist teacher, who's teaching advanced placement government, of all things. And the folks at Project Veritas became aware of him. Some students complained. They appealed to Project Veritas and said, look, we have a Marxist recruiting children in our high school. Come and talk to this guy. You'll see it's true. In the first clip we're going to play for you, Michael, we'll just start with uh, and with 20 and go down the line. He explains how he gets the kids to show up to do the bidding of Antifa to bulk up their numbers. 
So that yeah, when when there is like right wing rallies and stuff, then we like we'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would he go to connect with some of these organizations? Like, they, no, I, I post a calendar okay, every week, awesome. and then so like they, it's and I do it for extra credit, so they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've I've had like students show up for like protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, also all sorts of things. They when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection. That's their extra credit. So the kids get extra credit for showing up to protest or tabling, which is making such a ruckus, a meeting has to adjourn. Um, It's a very activist form of protesting. I don't want you teaching my kids this. Why are you teaching my kids this? You know, by the way, just because I'm a a middle child, I bring people together. Uh, This guy is not a monster. Uh, he does a lot of charity work. He believes in what he's doing. He believes in kind of the Marxist utopian ideal, which is has led to the deaths of hundreds of millions of people, which he kind of acknowledges in, in one of the longer clips. Um, he does charity stuff and all, but he also actively recruits children to Marxism and Antifa and that sort of thing. Uh, 21, please, Michael. I've had students, you know, during anonymous surveys at the end of the year, comment about the things that I have in my classroom. Like I, I have an Antifa flag on my on my wall, um, and a student complained about that, and he said it made him feel uncomfortable. And I, had, I addressed it to everyone because I didn't know who it was, and I was like, "Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical to." Maybe so you should be open and proud. Antifa has the flag on the freaking wall. Yeah, but he has a complete misunderstanding of what Antifa is. Or does oh, no, Antifa believes, actually? Yeah, they believe they're anti-fascist. They just think maybe, everything connected to the status quo to the United States is fascist, and that the way they handle trying to drive it out is not. So they Correct. actually believe that. See, I thought they were pulling a just a complete ruse, like they got the joke. Oh no, they're delusional. They're like most political extremists. They've just lost their minds. They'd be, they're in such a, a feedback loop, such a little cluster of crazy people. They begin to believe their own crazy. Why do you think all those people swig down the uh, delicious soft drinks in Jonestown, the, uh, the, the massacre in Guyana? They believe that stuff. So I'm a member of Antifa. I show up to political events and punch people in the face mm-hmm. so that they can't have their, uh, you know, peaceful assembly. And that's anti-fascist. And if you're bothered by the flag being my classroom, maybe you ought to take a look at your politics. There's something exactly. wrong with you. You're a flat fascist, and your parents are fascists, and I'm going to teach you uh, the best I can. In fact, he talks about uh, recruiting and changing the minds of kids, twisting their minds in 22. I like what you said in our phone call. So like I have 180 days, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. And that's the question. Yeah. Because a lot of them are indifferent. I think they're distracted by the gadgets and video games. How do you do that? How do you... Scared the f*** out of them. Yeah. So he views his job as he has 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. And he does that by scaring the F out of them. Given the way America reacted to January 6th in the Capitol, and I think a lot of the reactions are appropriate because I think a whole bunch of people were trying to overthrow the government. Um, but so this guy gets a pass. What's a revolutionary? A revolutionary is someone that wants to overthrow the government, wants to right. replace the current system with a different system. How come this guy isn't getting the same sort of 
pressure that uh, right-wingers would get. Well, it gets crazier and crazier. This guy, I mean, if, if somebody showed up, and he's heavily tattooed and pierced in the rest of it. He's got an Antifa flag on his wall in his classroom. So it's not like he's flying undercover, you know, under the radar. So picture somebody of far-right type, I mean, really way out there. Got far right tattoos, has a, a flag of I don't know, you know, some QAnon or some militia or something up on the the, the classroom wall. He well, Proud Boys, would since never that's ever... what always, it's always the Proud sure. Boys and Antifa battling. So you got a Proud Boys flag in a schoolroom. Can you imagine that lasting an hour before it would become a national craze? The story. Well, and I have not given this man's name, Gabriel Geib, who teaches at Intercom High School in Natomas, California, explains where he is politically. Uh, I, I probably uh, as as far left as you can go. <laughs> so like, um, I've gone down those deep dark rabbit holes where like the idea of like adventurism and just being like, why aren't people just like taking up arms? Like why? Are, and you know, we have historical take, take taking up arms like yeah. against the state. Like, it, and we have historical examples of that happening and them getting crushed and being martyrs for a cause. And it's like. Okay, well, it's it's still going because it takes massive amounts of organization. So he's dabbling with the idea of taking up arms and becoming a martyr. So why, why don't that, people do that? What was that uh, political philosophy he threw out there for a second? There at the beginning? He said, uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole and I've dabbled with... Oh, yeah, that's right. Adventurism? What's adventurism? Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's what he's talking about. One of your political niches. So keeping in mind, he said, I'm as far left politically as you can be. I've thought about, you know, violent overthrow of the government. Uh, I'm I have 180 days to turn the kids into revolutionaries. So obviously you can't make the case that, well, he has politics or left, but he plays it down the middle in the classroom. He has stated he does not. And he's he's pleased about it in clip 24. I've met so many people in my life who, when they met me, thought I was, like, off the wall, right? And now they're all Marxists, right? You know, and I'm just like, your your political identification changed, and I, so I have a huge political spectrum in my room on the wall. So they take an ideology quiz in, in their unit four, and I put their face, or they have to give me a picture of themselves, and I put it on the wall where they are. Every year, they get further and further left. And, and I've, I've made them pay attention to where my tack marks are. Because I'm like, these ideologies are considered extremes, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? There is a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are, are becoming further and further left. So he's teaching them that these are extreme times and they call for extreme ideologies. You've got to put your face where you are on the political continuum. So the more conservative kids, I'm sure, are, are badgered and, 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 you know, hammered, mocked, uh, lectured, etc. Yeah, so I looked up adventurism in the context of uh, politics like this and Marxists. It's, it's basically you're willing to do extreme things to further your cause. So that's what he was talking about. I've, I've dabbled in adventurism. I've thought about taking up arms. So that's, that's extreme ways to advance your beliefs. And is he With the his only anti-fascist one? flag in the classroom because he doesn't believe in fascism. Nice, nice. And are there others like him? Go ahead, Michael. Give you, are there a lot you, of teachers like you? 
I think there are more than there used to be. Um, and I, I think that, uh, like, there's three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with, and they're rad. They're great people. Um, and they're definitely, like, on the same page. On the same page. Avowed Marxists indoctrinating the kids. And you wonder why people are fleeing California. This is a public school. Yeah, can we get people that are between the 40-yard lines to teach, whether on the right or the left? You're just right of center or left of center to be teachers. How about nobody on that outer 1% of right or left being a freaking teacher of my kids? This guy has a poster of Chairman Mao on his wall, and the clip's kind of long and rambling. Part of me wants to play it, but he explains, and this is a classic from Marxists, from communists and socialists. He explains that it really was necessary what Mao did. And yeah, some people got hurt or killed that shouldn't have. But it's the whole, they just didn't get it quite right. But you give me sweeping authoritarian powers and this generation will get it right. And Always. anybody who would grant them that is just is crazy, is wildly mentally ill. This guy's openly teaching. And year after year. The anonymous evaluations in his class, some of his kids say, hey, I'm not comfortable with the Antifa flag. And he says, well, that's because you're a fascist. I'm not comfortable with this guy and what he's teaching. The administration just ignores it because he's a man of the left, and that's how far left public education is in a lot of America. So how does this guy fly under the radar like he does? Is it because kids... I wasn't politically aware enough as a high school kid. I wouldn't have known if I was being taught extreme things. I'd have just thought, okay, this is what they teach you in this class, um, which is uh, unfortunately, I think, what happens with a lot of kids. And then you head out into the world with thinking this: these are the mainstream, everybody's being taught this beliefs, uh, which is what they're hoping for, by the way. That's the whole point. Sure. Yeah, it normalizes it. Yeah, they want it to be normal. Weird. Very, very Weird. Well, and and, and we, we heard from we heard from a teacher earlier, similar area, who said, "Hey, we do parent teacher conferences. No parents show up." So oh, yeah, I've, the, I've got an email here from a teacher in the area who says uh, there are absolutely people like this around, um, and there are more and more of them, and uh, and they're not under the radar of the administration and their fellow teachers. They're under the radar of the parents, perhaps, and the kids. They're taking this in, but they don't understand the significance of it. So I guess yeah. they're under the radar in that sense. But the administration, their other teachers, they know exactly what's going on. Yeah, that's what's interesting is you fly under the radar with the parents. And uh, like I've been talking about, I don't I don't know that much of what, what my son is being taught in sixth grade currently. I mean, he doesn't talk much when I try to get it out of him unless I'm going to sit down and read his books, which I probably should. Um, I don't know on a day-to-day basis what he's taught. Yeah, I would definitely recommend flipping through the materials your kids get from schools, although they're getting more and more adept and more and more uh, open about saying, look, this, this stays uh, between us. You don't need to bring your parents into it. They wouldn't understand, which is Teachers, horrific. how common or uncommon is this? How uncommon or, uh, is it for uh, parents to show up to teacher parent night and or have any idea what's going on in the classroom? Text line 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So it's Dr. Phil's 71st birthday. Today's actually uh, uh, my mom's birthday. She passed away this spring, unfortunately. She would have been 81 today. But uh, anyway, thinking of you, Mom. 
Back well, to the idiot quack Dr. Phil. Yeah, one of them's a horrible person. We'll let you guess which one. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Phil is a, a charlatan, absolute charlatan who's made the world a worse place. Seems pretty fair. Um, 71 years old. We have a little montage here. I don't know what this is going to be like. Hey, toots, who do you think you're talking to here? What are you, a moron? Are you a drunk? Here's a good idea. Let's all get drunk. Are you a prostitute? You know what? I'm just surprised you're not pregnant. You were a booty call. God, you're ugly. Do all of us a favor and go have a heart attack. Your brain is intoxicated. Loser! Yeah. Yes, yes, not anymore. Yes, no. <laughs> I don't remember. Says you and yes. Do we still have any of our Dr. Phil clips? Your little hat and your little tie and all that sort of stuff that we used to play? We used to love love the Dr. Phil clips. We love to hate him because I think he's a... I actually think he is a bad human being. Um, he gets people on who are in the worst situations of our, their lives and exploits them for money. He's, he's not somebody who's trying to help anybody. He's trying to, to, to get rich off of other people who have a drug addictions or they're crazy or whatever their problems are. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Michael, God gifted you with the power of speech. Yeah, Do we have any we, of those? Uh, we don't have them at our disposal right now. Huh, that's I, I will find them, though, for the future. Are, are you a no, prostitute, Michael? Uh, are no. you drunk? No. <laughs> I want to hear that again. Can we hear that again? Hey, toots, who do you think you're talking to here? What are you, a moron? Are you a drunk? Here's a good idea. Let's all get drunk. Are you a prostitute? You know what? I'm just surprised you're not pregnant. You were a booty call. God, you're ugly. Do all of us a favor and go have a heart attack. Your brain is intoxicated. Loser! Wasn't he uh, from the Oprah uh, Corral? Cabal? Him and Dr. Oz? She distanced herself from both of them after they became who they are now. Um, when she thought he was just, you know, a straight-talking Southern guy who's trying to straighten people out before. And maybe he was at one time. I don't know. And then he figured out he could get anybody with what kind of problems they have, exploit them on TV, and become rich off of it. Yeah, I think the producers probably said, too sober, Doc Phil, too reasonable. you got to start calling people names. We need a little more Jerry Springer out of here. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Who wants final thoughts? Who wants final thoughts? Go have some final thoughts. Hooray! Here's your host for that was it. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He presses the buttons in the corner. He keeps us on the air. Doesn't have the Doctor Phil clips. Michelangelo, final thought. Uh, yeah, the script spelling bee next year is gonna be really, really tough. They're using some Bidenese words this year. True international average of pressure. Like what? Like what? Pull that bad and kept care. So, good luck, kids. Start, uh, start studying. <laughs> Fabulous. Young Alex is our producer. He has a final thought. Alex? Yeah, that's not fair. He gets audio effects. Hey, uh, we were talking about fish stick sandwiches in the first segment mm. today. You forgot mm-hmm. the most important part, Jack. You got to add the slice of craft singles. Exactly. So, Wonder Bread, fish sticks, mayonnaise, and a craft single on top. That's a good sandwich right there. 
I work with rubes. My final thought is uh, the uh, Natomas Unified School District, where Indicum High School has a Marxist Antifa member indoctrinating the kids. They have a school board meeting tonight. That's going to be jazzy. Yeah, I actually didn't do my final thought. My final thought was not agreeing with Alex. My oh, final, <laughs> my final thought is, um, my son went off to his first day of school today, and man, it's always these these moments are bittersweet in the definition of the term. I mean, they're 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 good news, they're happy news, but every step along the way is they're getting a little older and distancing themselves for a little bit more from you, and the 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 childhood is disappearing. Um, yeah. It's all part of the, uh, the the circle of life. Sunrise, sunset, man. It is Absolutely. bitter and it is sweet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. If your fish sticks are bittersweet, throw them out. They've spoiled. So oh, yeah, and they cost think. nothing, so get some new ones. <laughs> so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. If you missed our discussion of the Marxist teacher, we've got it on the podcast. In fact, we've got the whole show via on-demand podcast armstrongandgetty.com. Email us. Do you know teachers like this in your district? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We will see you tomorrow with whatever that brings. God bless America. Thank you, sir. Your time has expired. This is an incredibly emotional time. Mm. So let me lick your boot heels. Mm. Half cup full, half cup empty. Go away. You better, better careful. 